gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome back to My Two Cents Podcast, episode 85, which is entitled Reality. I am your host, G2. And before I get into the topics today, you know the deal. I'm about to read you guys off the National Food Days of the Week. Today being July 31st, the last day of July, it is Raspberry Cake Day. Going into August 1st, Monday, tomorrow, it is Milkshake Day as well as Raspberry Cream Pie Day. After this, it'll be August 2nd, it'll be Ice Cream Sandwich Day. August 3rd, White Wine Day. Also, Watermelon Day, as well as National IPA Day, so please drink responsibly. August 4th, Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. August 5th, Oyster Day, and to finish it off, August 6th, Root Beer Float Day. Now, with that out of the way, let's start off with the show. Uh, The first topic I want to talk to you guys about is Kentucky. As of this recording right now, the New York Times has put out an article saying that eight people have died in Kentucky flash floods. At least eight people died and others were rescued from rooftops on Thursday after heavy rains across southeastern Kentucky touched off what the governor said was one of the worst, most devastating flooding events in state history. Their governor uh, confirmed in a video on Thursday evening that the death toll has risen to eight from three. This is an ongoing disaster that continues to put people into danger. It looks like we will have more rain tonight that may worsen the situation in many places. High waters and strong currents were making it difficult to rescue people, he said. About 30 people have been airlifted to safety. There are a lot of people out there still in danger that need your prayers. He added, hours earlier, the governor told the state residents to prepare for loss of life as a result of flooding that inundated homes and turned roads and highways into rushing rivers. An 81-year-old woman died as a result of the flooding in Perry County, about 80 miles southeast of Lexington, the governor told Kentucky residents in a Thursday morning news conference that they should brace themselves for more deaths as rescue efforts continue. So as right now, Kentucky is still dealing with massive flooding. Homes have been destroyed. Uh, cars have been sunk into the waters. I mean, I don't know what happened here. I just know that a flooding happened and it's just weird because you don't think of Kentucky being one of those places. You think of a place like uh, Mississippi or uh, Louisiana or things around the water like that be flooding, but Kentucky that never reached my, uh, that never thought of my brain process for them to be getting flooding of that magnitude or anything. I mean, any place is liable to flood, but just Kentucky places like in the middle of America, I just never thought about it, but, um, please pray and give the people of Kentucky, uh, your prayers and any type of contribution that you can give to them i don't know if they anybody has a paypal open not a paypal but like um the gofundmes that they usually doing in times of national distress or any type of personal distress i don't know if people have those out there right now you can search it out for yourself if you want but just keep thoughts and prayers for the people that lost their homes and lives out there in kentucky because that was a devastating situation people are still trying to recover bodies right now so please be on the aware of that now getting over into uh, monkeypox from ABC News. Uh, state declares monkeypox an imminent threat to public health. New York State Health Commissioner declared monkeypox an imminent threat to public health on Thursday amidst a rapid increase in cases. The declaration means that local health departments engaged in response and prevention activities will be able to access additional state reimbursement after other federal and state funding sources are maximized. The commissioner said in a statement, the United States has one of the highest levels of monkeypox in the world, with over 4,900 confirmed cases as of Thursday, according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. New York has the highest number of cases out of any state, reporting those figures CDC data shows. There are 1,341 confirmed monkeypox cases in New York as of Thursday, according to the state data. San Francisco declared monkeypox a public health emergency on Thursday, effective August 1st, which will also help expedite resources to better respond to the rapidly rising cases, city officials said. The city has reported 261 cases of monkeypox. We need to be prepared, and this 
declaration will allow us to serve the city better. San Francisco Department of Public Health Director Dr. Grant Colfax said in a statement, our COVID-19 response has taught us that it is imperative that we mobilize city resources. The declaration helps us ensure we have all the tools available to augment our resource our outsource testing and treatment, especially to LGBTQ plus community who remain at highest risk for monkeypox. Now, when I heard monkeypox, I had no idea what it was. I've always heard of monkeypox. It was like one of these things that happened way back in the day. I just never ever knew what it was. Um, I'm looking at the CDC.gov, uh, their website, and they're saying that the symptoms for monkeypox can include fever, headache, muscle aches, and backache, swollen lymph nodes, chills, exhaustion, respiratory symptoms, and they give an example, sore throat, nasal congestion, or cough, a rash that can look like pimples or blisters that appear on the face, inside of the mouth, and other parts of the body, like hands, feet, chest, or your private parts, genitals. You get the drift here. On the news, they have been saying that the highest uh, people that have been getting monkeypox so far right now are bisexual men and gay men. Um, also let it be known people, uh, it doesn't matter what your race is, your, what your sexuality is, anybody's able to get monkeypox. So don't think that this is just a gay or LGBTQ community type situation. People, please be careful. Please be careful who you're messing with. Uh, just please be careful just in general, because monkeypox is out here. It's now a thing being, uh, <laughs> Coming out now, you would think after COVID just happened, as life is starting to at least become semi-normal, now we got another uh, big thing to worry about, monkeypox here. So, again, there's always something lurking around the corner, so please be careful out here. Now, on to USA Today. Um, they have wrote that a cable company ordered to pay $7 billion to family of Texas woman murdered by repairman. A Texas jury has ordered Carter Communications to pay $7 billion in punitive damage to the family of an 83-year-old grandmother robbed and murdered by a cable repairman who arrived in the company's van while off the clock. Carter, who owns Spectrum, was also deemed responsible last month for $337.5 million in compensatory damages for the December 2019 murder of Betty Jo McLean Thomas. Negligence cases like Thomas rarely go to trial and usually sell out of court and out of the public eye without the company admitting to wrongdoing. That's often been true even when consumers were assaulted, tortured, raped, or murdered. In a written statement this week from Carter spokesman Rich Ruggrio, the company said it would appeal the verdict. The law in Texas and the facts presented at trial clearly shows this crime was not foreseeable and the plaintiff's claims of wrongful doing by Carter are categorically false. Roy James Holden pleaded guilty to Thomas' murder and was sentenced to life in prison. Thomas' attorney said that Holden had lied about his past jobs and Carter hadn't verified his employment. Had the company done so and discovered a lie, he would have been disqualified from being hired. At Carter, court records show Holden had racked up disciplinary actions and taken photos of driver licenses and credit cards at the homes of two elderly female customers. He asked his operations manager for money and he requested mental health intervention through Carter's employment assistance program. Yet he continued to be sent out on field calls. Holden was scheduled to work at Thomas's house on December 11, 2019 at 1 p.m. According to the incident report by the Irving Police Department, he returned the next day and murdered her. So, Carter will be held responsible for this um, because, as is, was in the records, he asked for mental health intervention, and then he was still sent out to work. I think that now people know that when people ask for mental health uh, checkups and they need to get checked out, I think a company shouldn't be sending their worker out until they gotten all that figured out. You can still put them like on paid leave or something. I mean... People will try to use that as an excuse saying, well, I got mental health issues. I'll try to do that. But no, like people that got severe things that I believe that a company will look into. And what I mean by that, when a employee asks for a mental health checkup or they got to get some type of help, I believe that the company should be able to get their records from their therapist or the place that they're seeking help from to see if they're even capable to still work that job. That's what I'm getting at here. Um, 
so that will get people off the bandwagon of saying, hey, yo, they're just going to use that to milk the clock. Well, guess what? Their person's going to be able to see what they're doing and what they're talking about and all that type of stuff to see if they got any type of health problems. I believe that a Carter-type company that owns Spectrum, they should be able to invest in some type of program that will have them have some type of therapist on their clock and on their payroll to say, hey, yo, this person, he can't work here. Or... Um, they just need some time off or whatever the case may be. That's what I'm getting at here. I think big businesses will look into this type of case right here because the Carter company has to pay $7 billion to a family because their grandmother got killed by one of their employees. I think that should be a high alert for all these other big companies to really look into mental health uh, checkups and also seeing whoever you're really hiring out here because from the reports, if you mean to tell me that they didn't even look into his employment, they didn't even verify none of his stuff, his past jobs. And if they did, he would have been disqualified from being hired there. That's, again, Carter, that's all on you, buddy. You guys bear the brunt of this woman's death because you guys didn't look into this man's uh, past records and seen all this type of what he had in his past um, time before he got to your job, before he got to apply for this job. So you guys are literally held responsible for that. If that's not the case, then no job should be asking for, well, we need your resume, uh, put down your past employers for your past employment status. If you're not really going to look into it, you guys just want to have somebody fill out busy work. You guys can just easily give somebody the job. There's a reason why you have that on your, on the recruitment papers, on the job applications. You have that so you can look up the past employments. Duh. So you guys did fail on both sides of the situation you didn't look into his past and you did not look into his mental health report even when he requested to have a intervention so again carter you guys bear brunt for this you guys could appeal it and you guys will i think the texas jury might knock it down shoot if somebody in texas happened to listen to this they might just decide to bump it up more because again carter you guys are technically held responsible for this because you guys did not do your job and um I just wanted to have everybody on alert. If you're a big business or even if you're a small business, look into your employees. Make sure they're good. Make sure their mental health is good. Because if not, you guys could technically be liable for them uh, killing somebody because the family will look at you and they'll try to squeeze money out of you for hiring that person on the clock, off the clock. They still are representative of you. So again, Please be careful, big companies, small companies. Look into these things because you guys could get, be the next ones. I'll be reporting saying you guys have to pay for somebody doing something to another person's family. Just want to keep that out there. Now onto another topic. This comes from CNN. North Carolina's town entire police department quits after town hires black city manager. The mass exodus of an entire police department after the hiring of a black city manager in North Carolina has opened a conversation about public safety and race relations in a small town of just over 1,500 residents. Last week, the entire police department in Kinley, North Carolina, resigned, citing a hostile work environment less than two months after Justine Jones, a black woman, began her role as the town's newly selected city manager. Joy Wright, a local business owner, said the community is concerned about what the collective police treat, retreat means for the future of the town. Wright also says she was mostly frustrated because the town hasn't been keeping residents in the loop with any developments. It's just weird, and for us to not have any information as to what to expect, Wright said, are we going to have police? Are we going to have a town manager? Following an emergency closed-door meeting last week, the Kinley Town Council released a statement this week saying the prudent course of action is to find out what happened and not make any rash decisions. Alan Chip Hewitt, Kinley's town attorney, told CNN that he will oversee an investigation conducted by an outside firm starting next week when all the resignations take effect. Technically, the police chief and the officers are still on the job through the beginning of next week. The police chief's resignation is effective Tuesday. So basically this Tuesday, the police chief and the officers will be start uh, leaving. But they said the police chief's <laughs> resignation is effective Tuesday. So this is weird. I'm not going to lie to you. This thing happened, what, a week ago? And I was too late on that. I already recorded the pods episode last week when this thing happened. And I looked at it and I said, that's weird. I've never heard of something like this happening. But again, my mind immediately went to... Black 
they 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 did it because she's black because how do you have a whole legit police force literally just say all right i'm done here <laughs> like all right we're done and they're citing hostile work environments literally they're citing hostile work environments was the black woman was justine jones basically getting at them for something because they're doing their job wrong or she trying to tell them to do it right or she's saying what is really going down out there i don't get it i don't get it in the cnn article they're saying that the residents are split on whether it's a race issue uh resident said that i feel like they don't want a black woman over top of them basically managing them or telling them what to do studies show people in organizations often think black women are more likely to have anger or angry personalities which studies also suggest that this negative perception is a unique occurrence for black women according to the harvard business uh review while you got other residents cautioning against jumping to conclusions saying they always had a good relationship with the police department See, I don't know. So now you got people in the small town that's really trying to figure this stuff out. They don't know. They just got to go off what the news got to go off. And I don't even go off what my brain and what the news has. The only thing I could think of was like, okay, that's pretty extreme that a whole police force literally like jumped and said, you know what? We're done. When a black city manager came in, I don't know. I'll try to keep up with this as much as I can. And I'll try to report back to you guys whenever something does pop up. Hopefully, something will pop up within this week. Hopefully. On to another injustice. This comes from ABC News. Employees at Amazon Warehouse in Illinois allege racially hostile work environment. Employees at a Juliet, Illinois, Amazon Warehouse have filed a complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commissions against the company alleging corporate abuse, racial discrimination, and retaliation. According to the complaint filed Tuesday, a group of black employees at the MDW2 Fulfillment Center said that Confederate imagery on co-workers' clothing, racist death threats written in bathroom stalls, and a lack of security and accountability have contributed to a racially hostile work environment since late 2021. Institutional abuse and women's rights attorney Tamara Holder said her clients are now not only seeking change in the workplace to appropriately address and resolve these issues, but monetarily damages for emotional distress caused by stressful working conditions. We don't know what that amount comes to at this point, but I can tell you that after working in a climate where it's racially hostile, people are experiencing extreme emotional distress, she told ABC News. Our message to Amazon is that their behavior after our cases come to light is only increasing our damages because people are becoming more afraid rather than less. As this case receives more attention, Holder said that employees are hesitant to speak out anymore about these claims for fear of further retaliation from the MDW2 Fulfillment Center management, causing concern for the future of their case and her clients' livelihoods. They are allegedly telling their employees that if they speak out, they will be fired because they have signed an agreement to remain quiet, Holder told ABC News. Holder said former MDW2 employee Tori Davis was the first to make contact with her about the warehouse work environment. Davis, who was fired earlier this month after raising the alarm about her concerns, told ABC affiliate WLS that the death threats were dismissed by Amazon. They were trying to sweep it under the rug. Davis said the way that this situation was handled, it was strange. A spokesperson for Amazon, Richard Rocha, issued a statement to ABC News. Amazon works hard to protect our employees from any form of discrimination and to provide an environment where employees feel safe, hate, or racism have no place in our society and are certainly not tolerated by Amazon, the statement reads. Okay, so you get the drift here. Amazon's going to try to say that, yo, we didn't do nothing about this. We don't tolerate it. We're going to, they're probably going to do an internal investigation into this type of stuff. Okay, cool, whatever. That's what every big business basically copies and pastes that exact same statement coming out here. We all know uh, racism and hate has no place in society. Oh, come on now. We all know that one. But the thing is, it is there in every business. There is some type of racism and there's some type of hate in every business. That's just humans. Humans 
have the racism inside them. It is. Some of them do. Some of them don't. Some of us have no racism, but we just have our own selective people that we just want to chill with. We have no hate towards people, but we just get along better with certain individuals. If you catch my drift here, I feel that, you know what? Amazon and all these other big companies, again, are going to, again, have to look into who they're hiring. And I think they need to actually have some impartial managers, impartial uh, supervisors walking the floor from time to time. Because if you mean to tell me that there is Confederate imagery on on co-workers' clothing and there's some racist death threats written on a bathroom stall, come on, dog. Those are things you can easily walk by and walk by and see. If you are a supervisor that's supervising the floor... And you're going to your workers. You can see if they got some type of uh, imagery on people's T-shirt that is not right. You can easily call them out and say, hey, yo, you can't be um here. You got to change that out or you got to go home and do this or get a T-shirt here or whatever. Because, again, if Confederate imagery, again, that's racist in this society. And it is because, remember, Confederates in America, the Confederates lost. There should be no Confederate type of imagery out here. Let's just call spade a spade. That is still around in a co-worker's clothing or is still around and you see your co-worker come into your employment with this. No, that's a sign of racism. You don't see somebody walking in with a Nazi symbolism on their T-shirt and they're going to be working a job. No, they're going to be saying, hey, you got to take that off or get out of here. Because again, that's a bad logo. The Confederate flag is a bad logo. I don't care how people try to mix it up or anything. That is a sign of hate. It is what it is. And you can easily go into a bathroom stall and see if they have some type of racist death threats. If there is, then guess what? You know, paint over that. Get somebody to take care of that. There's different ways. Get a thing and carve it out. Do whatever you got to do to take care of that racist death threats that's written in the bathroom stall. And matter of fact, that's always been a thing. Why are people writing in bathroom stalls anyway? A bathroom is for you to do your job, get in, get out. If you're taking time to literally write something in there, you're a nasty individual in more than one way. You're sick, literally. And they mentioned a lack of uh, security and accountability. Yeah, there's always going to be a business that has lack of security and a lack of accountability because, again, a company doesn't care about the well-beings of their employees like that. They're here for you guys to make the money, and that's it. Remember, you are a spoke on the wheel. Once you have been rusted out, they'll throw you out and replace you with another spoke so that wheel can constantly keep going. So employees, please look after yourself. If you feel that your job's not doing you right, hey, go to your human resources. Go to whoever you got to go to to make these complaints. Give it uh, a reasonable amount of time. If they say they're going to fix it, if they don't fix it within your reasonable amount of time, guess what? You got to leave out of that place and more or less do what these people are doing here. Get a lawsuit because, again, you should not be, uh, you should not be subjected to these type of conditions that will literally uh, cause you death if your company does not pay your situation any mind. So I have no problem with these people uh, trying to sue Amazon with this. I really don't. I don't see no problem with it at all, to be honest. Now onto my next topic, as this comes from the Miami Herald. Retired cop shot by wife at D.C. hotel had molested children at her daycare, cops say. An arrest warrant has been issued against a man who was shot by his wife over accusations he was sexually abusing children at the daycare she owns police in Maryland and Washington, D.C. says. Charges announced on Tuesday, July 26 against 57-year-old James Weems Jr. follow the arrest of his wife, Shintara Weems. She was charged with assault with intent to kill after police say she shot her husband at the Mandaration Oriental Hotel in D.C. on Thursday, July 22nd. The 50-year-old threatened to shoot herself when confronted by police and when asked about her husband, she yelled, F him, he's a child molester, WUSA reported citing court documents. She told police she shot her husband after learning he was molesting children at the Little Kids Castle Daycare, which she owns in Owings Mill, Maryland. The husband was found with gunshot wounds inside the hotel and he was hospitalized, D.C. police say. The Baltimore County Police Department announced Tuesday that James Weems Jr. faces charges stemming from allegations he sexually abused at least three children while working at the daycare facilities. Detectives began investigating the abuse allegations earlier this month. Police said 
Weems, who WRC reported had retired from Baltimore Police Department in 2008, remains in the hospital. Weems is charged with three counts of three counts each of sexual abuse involving a minor, third degree sexual offense, second degree assault, and fourth degree sexual offense. The Baltimore Sun reported he also faces a charge of displaying obscene material to a minor. The Weems has been married for five years, according to the Baltimore Banner. The wife told police she received multiple messages and phone calls from parents and teachers about the alleged molestation the publication reported. Baltimore police said the daycare remains closed as the investigation continues. No crap. Uh, the wife has been receiving an outpour of support on Twitter and TikTok. They're saying for her to be there, having a hashtag saying free Shantari, uh, I don't know if the police are going to do that. They should, because if she did what any other person would do, if they found out that their spouse was molesting children, they, I think that she should be released from prison. I'm not going to lie to you. If you mean to tell me that she was trying to shoot her husband, who allegedly, because I got to say allegedly, because it has not been founded yet, to have uh, done some nasty stuff to children, I don't blame her for shooting him. I don't do it. I don't blame it. I don't at all. So she shouldn't be in jail. The only way I can say this now is if they find the evidence that they can find on him. And if they do, they got to release her. She has to do her little bit of time right now until they get the evidence. And please do not lack on the evidence finding because this woman shouldn't be there if there is evidence to find that out. So once the evidence comes out, get her released because she did what any other common sense brain person would have done. Certain people might say, well, I wouldn't have shot him. That would have called the police. And no, no, because if you and you're the owner of a daycare and you're taking care of children and you're nurturing these children, you start feeling some type of feelings towards these children. You don't want nothing bad to happen to them. And for your partner, the person that you're married to, does something to a child, you're going to want to kill them or hurt them because what are you doing? You're hurting an innocent being. You're taking somebody's innocence away from them. You get the drift from getting that here. So let's hope that they find evidence to get this woman out of here that her husband did do something because, again, it's still allegedly until they find the evidence to uh, say that he actually did do these things. He's arrested right now while well, he's facing charges for it, but you get my drift. I didn't know nothing about this until I started looking around. And once I saw this report, I was like, oh, this is something I really got to talk about. This was nastiness. And again, this comes to reality. When you take your kids to daycare, I don't remember myself being in daycare. My mom said that I was in daycare at one point, but nothing happened to me. Um, but again, I was lucky. Certain people have taken their kids to daycare and they get stories like this. Their kid gets messed with by uh, the people that own the daycares. You got to look into who you're sending your kid to. You got to look after your kid. Once your kid gets brought back to you or you pick up your kid, you got to look at them, their whole body, to see if they're bruised up, to see if they've been touched, to see if anything. You got to look at it because you don't know who's taking care of your kids. You can do all the research in the world. They can come looking squeaky clean, Jared Fogle style, Subway, because I don't believe nobody would have thought him being a nasty dude, but he's nasty. So, when you drop your kids up at these daycare facilities, you got to get your kid and really look at them. Make sure they're good. Make sure they're no bruising on them. You got to ask them certain questions. You got to do all these things because there are nasty people out here that are just in sheep's clothing, if you will. They're going to try to prey on people that are in these times because they're just trying to look for a way to drop their kids off to make money and all this type of stuff. And that's what it is. A daycare is basically that. We look after your kid while you do whatever you do. And when you come back, we have your kid ready for you in the same condition that you dropped them off in. So I want parents and siblings as well to look after their children and their siblings. And once you get them from a daycare, because again, certain daycares are just straight up nastiness as reported here. Now to the next topic as it comes from the Associated Press. Police, woman who opened fire at Dallas airport shot at cop. A woman accused of firing several gunshots into a Dallas airport faces a charge of aggravated assault of public servant because she allegedly fired one round toward a police officer according to a warrant. The officer shot and wounded Portia Udafua. I can't say her last name. I'm sorry for that. 
who was taken to a hospital after Monday's shooting at Dallas Love Field Airport. Dallas Police Chief said at a Tuesday news conference that Udafwa, who was prohibited from possessing a firearm, could face additional charges. Udafwa, who had no luggage, entered the ticketing area, then went into a restroom, emerging with her hands in the pockets of a hooded sweatshirt. According to the arrest warrant, Garcia said that she then walked into the ticketing area and said she had an announcement to make. Witnesses said Udafwa started to ramble, talking about a marriage, incarceration, and that she was going to blow up the airport and then pulls out a handgun from her sweatshirt. She fired two rounds to the ceiling before Dallas officer Ronald Cronin told her to drop the weapon and she then fired into his direction, their arrest warrant said. Garcia said Cronin took cover behind a self-check-in kiosk and fired, striking her several times. Cronin was not struck, nor was anyone beside Udafua. Surveillance footage released by police show people ducking behind kiosks, falling to the ground, and running as Udafua begins firing. Garcia lauded Crowen's actions, saying he not only didn't hesitate in engaging the suspect, but he also tried to help guide others in their area to safety. I know his actions saved lives and prevented more injuries, Garcia says. Jail records do not list an attorney who is representing Udafua. They would put out that Udafua has been arrested several times in recent years and has been found incompetent for trial more than once. A judge last year found her incompetent to stand trial after she was charged with making a false report court records show. The judge found that she wasn't a danger to others and referred her to outpatient mental health services. In that case, she was accused of pulling a fire alarm at a hotel after her request to extend her stay was denied according to police in Dallas suburb. In 2019, she was found incompetent, well, incompetent for trial in a bank robbery in a suburban uh, place. The Dallas Morning News reported she underwent treatment and record, well, court records showed the case was eventually dismissed. Also that year, she was arrested for arson after telling a police officer who had responded to a house fire that she started it and it was God's profit according to a police report. Okay, dude, this woman has mental issues. She needs to literally go in and have somebody really look into her because this this thing shouldn't be going down as much as for her because she's just out here. She's wilding, dog. She needs to be institutionalized, to be honest with you. She needs to really be inside. There's no way for all these many, like, court cases that they did not find her, like, culpable. Not culpable, but, like, competent to stand trial for how are you going to tell me that you guys do not see these things you guys have her, her record literally look down her record and you can see what she's been in court for dog y'all can decide like yep she needs to be inside i'm not sure if the courts or the government step in like they used to whenever uh people would be not all the way there certain people used to go and be institutionalized by the government themselves or the courts because they're just not all the way there She's not all the way there. I'm glad nobody got shot again. Um, but this time, I'm hoping that she just be institutionalized. I'm hoping that the court just steps in and say, you know what? We see your record. You're not you're not well. You're not capable to hold yourself. People around you must not care about you like that. Because if they did, they would have easily have put you into some type of facility. Hopefully, the courts will do that. They'll get her off these streets. Because, again... If she's done something earlier this year than last year and in 2019, dog, she doesn't need to be here. She needs to be looked after. So please, court system, police, Dallas, Texas court system, Texas court system, take this woman in, have her be looked at because seriously, she needs all the help that she can get. Seriously. Now onto a topic that I got a big kick out of, as Associated Press would report, NYPD. Preacher wife robbed a $1 million in jewelry during sermon. This happened last Sunday, by the way. A preacher known for his close relationship with New York City mayor was robbed of more than $1 million worth of jewelry Sunday by armed bandits who crashed his Brooklyn church service. Just as he was sermonizing about faith, well, keeping faith in the face of grave adversity, police said, Bishop Lamar Miller Whitehead, who embraces his flashy lifestyle 
and can often be seen driving around the Big Apple in his Rolls Royce, was delivering a sermon at his Leaders of Tomorrow's International Ministries when police say three robbers walked in, they showed guns, and demanded property from Miller Whitehead and his wife, police said. The service was also being live-streamed online. In the video, which appears to have been removed from the church social media channels, Whitehead is heard asking his flock, how many of you have lost your faith because you saw somebody else die moments before the robbers entered the church? He's then seen dropping to his hands and knees and repeatedly saying, all right, all right, before a man holding a gun and wearing a black sweatshirt enters the frame. The man who was also wearing a black face mask is then seen approaching Whitehead and stuffing the bishop's jewelry into his pocket. Another man dressed in similar garb is then seen heading towards Whitehead, lingering near him for a few minutes and then running off. Whitehead said in a video posted on Instagram that the robbers ripped his collar off to grab his chain and held a gun to his infant daughter's face while stealing his wife's jewelry. The police said the robbers fled in a white Mercedes that was last seen on Avenue D near the church. Now, the reason why I found this thing hilarious to me was that when you think of a pastor, you don't think of a man being out here flashy in jewelry and all this type of stuff. But this guy was out here being flashy. And for it even to have been reported that he got capped and robbed for $1 million in jewelry, that tells you something. Now, I want to read you guys something before I really get into my whole problem of this situation. As this comes from New York Post, Flashy, New York City bishop who was robbed of $1 million in jewelry, allegedly stole $90,000 from someone from the church. The Flashy, Brooklyn pastor who was robbed of more than $1 million in jewelry during a live stream service was accused of stealing $90,000 from someone in a lawsuit filed last year. Bishop Lamar Whitehead, who was known for flaunting his Gucci suits, diamond and crescent chains, and stable of luxury vehicles, allegedly has a story of grifting and even served time in prison for identity theft and grand larceny. Pauline Anderson, 56, accused the Rolls-Royce driving clergyman of convincing her to liquidate her life savings and pay him a $90,000 investment in November of 2020 with the promise that he would buy and renovate a home for her, according to a Brooklyn Supreme Court lawsuit. Whitehead also agreed to pay Anderson $100 per month since the savings was her only source of income, says the suit first reported by the city on Thursday. Whitehead, who's 44, allegedly only made one of the $100 payments to Anderson in January of 2021, and each time she asked about the status of her home in the following months, he reportedly told her that he was tied up with his election campaign for Brooklyn Bureau President, according to the lawsuit. Ultimately, instead of helping Anderson find a home, Whitehead used the funds as a down payment on a contract to purchase a $4.4 million home for himself in Saddle River, New Jersey, the suit alleges. Anderson, who was introduced to Whitehead through her son, Rashad Anderson, in 2020, only found out about the Saddle River home after Whitehead accidentally sent an email to Rashad about the purchase the lawsuit says. The Saddle River purchase didn't go through, but Whitehead did buy a $4.5 million apartment complex in Hartford, Connecticut, according to the city. Anderson said she was told she couldn't get a mortgage because of her bad credit, which is when Whitehead stepped in with his offer to help the lawsuit alleges. Despite having reservations about handing over the hefty sum to Whitehead, Anderson went through with it because he was supposed to be a man of the cloth and had previously helped her own son secure housing for himself, the suit claims. He later allegedly told her that he was investing the cash in his company and had no obligation to pay it back according to the suit. Miss Anderson was instead left with nothing but a vague promise by Mr. Whitehead to pay the funds back in the future, followed by an assertion that he had no further obligation to do so the filing charges. Anderson is seeking $1 million in damages for Whitehead's morally reprehensible acts and for losing her entire life savings. The filing claims the case is still pending. Whitehead has not filed any papers in the case. Neither has any lawyer approached on his behalf. The court records show. So right there, that tells you exactly why I have a problem with this. He was driving around flashy, looking flashy. He has Gucci suits. Diamond and crested chains. He has all these type of things because you can see it on his Instagram. You can see it on all these 
photos that is out here for anybody to see. He's living good. He's coming out nice and good. My whole problem is you coming out here nice and good. What did your congregation look like, my chief? What did your congregation look like, my guy? See, that's always been my problem with churches since I was able to start thinking for myself. And I started to look at the church because, again, as people don't know, certain churches, especially in the black community, you have certain fees that they used to do for you. I'm not sure if they still do it now, but I still believe so. You have the building funds. You have the pastoral uh, payments. You have all these type of different things that seem so weird when you really start to dig into the crux of the church. You're like, how is that our situation? But the congregation still pays for some of these things. And when you see that your church still looks the same way, the cracking the foundation, cracking some moldings and all these type of things that are not being repaired, even though somehow you guys are paying all this buckets of money into a building fund or a church something and your building still looks the same and there's no type of uh, events or programs going on in the church, you got to wonder where is your money going to? Where is the church money going to? And then when you see a, your pastor driving up in a nice car, looking nice, you got to wonder, hmm, how much is the pastor stealing? How much is the pastor taking? Or how much, in reality, is that money that you're paying for the church really just you're paying the pastor so he can just live good? See, that's my whole problem with church as a whole. There Now, let's not get me wrong here. I've said there's been two churches that I've gone to that are by the book, you can see where your money's going to, you can see it straight up off top, there's a church in Marion, South Carolina, the Dorfolk Church, you, uh, by Pastor Bishop Blue, he's a good pastor, you know exactly where your money's going to, he has a whole lot of events, he has, um, that help the community out, he does a lot of things, so you can tell exactly where your money's going to, and there was a church that I, uh, volunteered for, uh, my time back in 20, late 2015, early 2016, uh, Faith Chapel, Birmingham, Alabama, mega church. You can see exactly where your money's going to there. He has a separate church for the children and he has a gym and all these type of facilities that the community can easily just go and accessible, just be, have access to. He has a big television, uh, production upstairs. Well, I call it production because they got multiple screens. You can easily just flick through multiple screens to, uh, for the live streaming, they have a music studio up there where people record their stuff and you can easily mess around with the recordings there. They, you can see where your money's going to, basically what I'm getting at with these two churches off top that I have personally seen, okay? And they're black churches. Now, there were black churches in the past that I have been to that I have seen my parents give money to and that when you look back at it now, that church still looks the same. And... In the early 2000s, there were a lot of members there, so I only can imagine how many uh, people gave money to that church and where did that money all go to. And for when I see pastors driving nicely now in cars, I wonder, okay, how much of the money is going to the church or how much is going to you? So when I heard about this pastor getting robbed and I saw the jewelry and I heard that it was worth a million dollars that he was wearing to him and his wife were rocking with yeah they deserve to get robbed i'm just gonna be bluntly honest with you no pastor should be walking around with a million dollars worth of jewelry on him neither him nor his wife should be walking around with a million dollars worth of jewelry that is not cool especially again when your congregation does not have that on them your congregation isn't celebrities your congregation is regular people that have to ride the bus or ride down in a beat-up car that they got to get repairs to but they were rather paid their tithes in their offerings to the church because they think that's going to give them God's favor then pay their car note or pay their uh some type of repair that they need to be done for their car they want to have God's favor more than looking after common sense situations that's what I have a problem with church sells you these things in these ideologies these corrupt churches sell you on it when you have a good church that actually looks after their congregation and say hey yo we're gonna set up this event we're gonna set up a uh work event that you guys can try to get a job here these i've seen these events from these churches that actually do try to help out their congregation so i have no problem with them but i have problem with the churches that you can easily scope out and you're like okay this is a small church but your pastor rides around in a nice car 
he comes pulling up in a Jaguar. How's that? How's that make sense to me? It doesn't. So again, I'm not telling people don't go to church. I'm just saying when you go to your church, look around, look around at your building, look around at the material, look around at what your pastor's driving, looking at, look around and just see what your pastor's wearing. Is he being flashy? Does he drive a nice flashy car? Just look at certain things to kind of scope out what is going down. Where's your money truly going to that you are constantly giving every week to the church? Just saying, again, I'm not trying to deter people from the church. I'm just saying, if you're in the church, you just need to look around and see exactly where your money is going. That's what I'm saying here. Now on to a topic that I found Really baffling to me. Um, this comes from Insider. Euphoria star Sydney Sweeney says she couldn't afford a six-month break from acting. They don't pay actors like they used to. Uh, Sydney Sweeney admitted in a recent interview that she cannot afford to take a six-month break from acting due to the costs that come with her career. Sweeney became a breakout star for her role in Euphoria as Cassie Howard. Since then, she has been nominated for two awards at this year's Emmy Awards and was recently cast in her first superhero blockbuster, the upcoming Spider-Man spinoff, Madam Web. However, in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Sweeney said that her success has not affected her financial situation. I want to have a family. I always wanted to be a young mom, and I'm worried about how this industry puts stigmas on young women who have children and looks at them in a different light. She said, I was worried that if I don't work, there is no money and no support for kids I would have. She continued, if I want to take a six-month break, I don't have income to cover that. I don't have someone supporting me. I don't have anyone to turn to to pay my bills or call for help. The 24-year-old actress explained that there are numerous things that you have to pay for to stay relevant as a young star. There are also all the costs that come with doing press tours that are not always covered by networks or streaming platforms. Sydney says that she has taken on brand deals in order to earn more money. They don't pay actors like they used to, and with streamers, you no longer get residuals, she said. The established stars still get paid, but I have to get give 5% to my lawyer, 10% to my agents, 3% or something like that to my business manager. I have to pay my publicist every month, and that's more than my mortgage. Sydney says that she was only able to pay her house in LA after five years of constant work. The Emmy-nominated actress added, if I just acted, I wouldn't be able to afford my life in LA. I take deals because I have to. And just like that, that article shocked me when I first read that. I thought, okay, she's getting bigger out here she's on different television shows she's on different movies and i'm thinking that she's getting bank because again she is one of the legit breakout stars of hollywood the young actresses that's going to be on the rise that people are going to want to cast in their movies and television shows i'm thinking that okay she's getting bank she should be and she should be able to arrest well get some type of rest whenever she wants to get arrest because Acting comes with all these different things. You got to act. You got to first audition. You got to act. And then you got to go to the locations. And you got to try to maintain even a type of stable mindset as you're acting. But point being, I thought that she would be making bank. It's shocking to me that she's not making as much bank to maintain her life. I know LA is one of the most expensive places to live in America. LA and like New York are like the two highest places that people want to go to. So they, so the market like increases up how much you have to pay to live there. I understand that. But I think for somebody that's literally on a hot breakout show like Euphoria and being literally one of the main stars of that show, and now she's getting a Marvel deal, I'm hoping that she gets paid more. I'm hoping that she gets bank. Because you know what? These actors and actresses, they deserve that money. They deserve to make that money legitimately. It's just shocking to me how she, somebody like her, she's not. Yet again, she's still 24. She'll have time to make the money over the course of time as she continues to still do uh, acting. But I was just shocked that she isn't making that money as she should be. It was still shocking to me. As you can tell in my wording of this, it's shocking. So she gives 5% to her lawyer, 10% to her agents, 3% to a business manager, and she has to pay her publicist every month. And you mean to tell me that when you're doing press tours and all that type of stuff, 
You mean to tell me that it's not covered by the network or streaming platforms? I'm shocked by that because, again, you are advertising for their show. You're advertising a show that's going to be on their network for people that actually want to come see the network. So, basically, it boosts up their ratings. So, they're doing you a favor. You're doing them a favor. I would think it would be a co-partnership hand-in-hand deal that they want to take care of at least their main stars of doing the press tour because that's usually who's doing it the press tours are usually the main stars and probably even some side characters here and there i understand why the side characters might not be looked out after as much as the main stars i get it because the main stars are who you tune in to watch the show for and certain side characters yes they are packaged with the main characters but for a main character to say this that's just i hope people that are in Hollywood or trying to become an actor or trying to do anything in the entertainment business looked in and saw this and be like, I hope you guys know. Not only did I bring this up for you guys, I brought this up for myself because this allows me to know what I got to get for in the future and lets me know that, yo, entertainment business, yes, you're going to be working constantly. That's already given, but you're not going to be making as much money as you think you are at the beginning, which again, I already knew that, but when you're on a mainstream show like this, yeah, you're not going to be making that money until like further down the line. So, Hopefully all the young actors and actresses and people that are going to entertainment see this article and read it and probably even just hear me out and just now know what we got to do to uh, get our career right and hopefully get the money that we deserve to get for the time that we be putting in. So that's the reason why I brought this article up. Now the cap is off. I'm about to bring in my sister so I can interview her. She's been waiting for about a year to be on this show to just talk and just be on here so i'm gonna do that right now and without further ado here's me and my sister just talking hello everyone it's me gerald i am here with my sister over here go ahead and introduce yourself hi i'm drinking garden i'm gerald's sister and i'm really happy that he got this far in podcast well she family's always been number one support and uh she's been one of the main constants over here that would aggravate me and nudge me and ask me when am I going to have her on the pod because I've had my mother on here, have my younger brother on here. She's been uh, just constantly asking me from almost the whole entire year, when am I, she, when is she going to get her opportunity to be on here? And I always told her, you'll get your chance when the time's right. So I thought that with her going to fourth grade now, it's the perfect timing because I feel that, you know what, she's able to handle herself, but she, uh, she, she'll be able to do well. So that's why I thought, okay, why not have her on here? So go ahead. Go ahead. Say something. Um, I'm really happy I'm going into fourth grade. And um, I'm really happy because that I know I'm growing up to be a great woman. And my brother been teaching me that. And I'm really happy about that. See, she, she's uh, pandering and posturing here. She's fluffing up is okay uh the whole family's been teaching her to be a right person that's what parents are supposed to do with uh children and siblings supposed to do that with their other uh siblings as well so it's a whole family effort not just me she only says me because she's on my uh podcast right now um go ahead and let the people know what you were doing this summer um i went to carolyn's and i went to the movies and i went on my pool and i got mini brands mini brands for people that know is uh it's a small little toy that has like literal brands of like toys inside of a ball and you give your kids this and they get like their own like store or something in it? Um, they only give you like accessories for the store. You can like go to Walmart and they'll have like two stores, a convenience store and a toy store and the toy store is more bigger, but it's like more stuff that you have to do. She knows about this stuff more than I do because branded towards her. Uh, with you going into fourth grade, is there anything that you want to do when you get there? Um, I want to talk to the people and see see what they're like. What is what's the word? What their socialality is, and what if they're a nice person, and and I hope they be nice to me. Okay. See, that's okay. That's a good thing. Always be nice. That's always a good thing. But what happens if they're not nice towards you? I would just walk away. Do you care about them? No. (laughs) See? Okay. 
uh, God, this is weird. I never thought about asking my kid sister anything. I don't. We usually just have spontaneous. She usually just be doing her own thing. This is weird. Just to have interview on here. Uh, let the people know what you like. Um, I like art. I like hanging out with my brothers. And I really like to hang out with my family. Because family is the first thing that I love. I have a school question for you, kid. How you feel about going back to school early? Not very, not very good. Okay, go ahead and explain more about why you don't feel good about going to school early. Um, so next month, I know, last month, I got out of school. Correction, June, not July. And, like, it's too early because kids only had one month to do whatever they want. But we got out a little bit late. So, like, because, like, the high school got out before us. So, I don't think that's fair. Here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, What she meaning is that I don't know what school everybody else goes to that's listening to this, but down here where we are located at, her school system got in, what, August, what? No, September. Late August, early September, regular school timing. And they got out, like, couple weeks in june which was weird and that's late so this school year they're going to be going back early august the first week of august and they're going to be leaving out in may like may something which is still late-ish to me because i don't think as i've said before uh kids should not be in school in May. If anything, it should be getting out in April because, let's be honest here, May is about the time that, for what? Why are you having kids in school for May? It's not necessary. It's not meaningful. You can have them out in April. You start them off in August. Cool. Midway, middle of August. Get, then get them out in April. It's easy to do that. Take care of whatever you got to do. But I'm not part of the school system. It's just weird to me. And she's expressed how she's been angry about uh going to school early. And it's just weird all across the board because me and my brother, we also go back to school, but we go back to school in like late August, like the week, like the last week of August, we'll be entering into school. So we'll have to see her off first before we go back. And it's just weird all across the board. But hey, we're finally coming out of, well, we're still in pandemic, but we're coming out of the quote-unquote pandemic, but now they're trying to reach back in, put masks on. Matter of fact, how do you feel about having to wear a mask again if they decide to have you guys wear a mask again? Um, I'm not. I'm not going to be happy with that at all because it's really hard to breathe in it, but, like, if they want us to wear a mask, they would just have to just get me homeschooled. I don't think there's going to be a situation. I don't think they're going to have anybody be homeschooled. I think you're going to be sitting there with a mask kid just like everybody else, bud. Um, then they would just have to give me a computer and send me home. Send me home. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to send you home, man. They're not going to send you home. They're not doing that. They're going to have you be there with a mask on and all that type of stuff. I don't see that. Now, let's get away from the COVID talk. That's pardon me for that one. Uh, with you going into fourth grade, what do you feel that you want to accomplish? I know that's a crazy thing to ask a fourth grader, but trust me, these fourth graders know what they want to do when they're in these situations. So I'm going to ask my sister, what do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish as you go into the fourth grade? I just want to accomplish my math and my social studies, science, basically my whole subjects. So basically you want to pass this fourth grade, just get out of there, huh? Yep. <laughs> and then go to middle school. Yeah, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, kid. We'll cross that bridge. Don't trust me. Just slowly take your path and just walk this way into fourth grade. Don't try to speed through it. Believe that, because you're only going to be uh, causing yourself a lot more problems. Just take your time. Okay. What do you want the people to know about you? I want them to know about me that I'm a very nice person, and my brother's a very nice person, and I get it from him personally. Because he's telling me what's not to do and what to do. And I really like it because it helps me a lot. And um, I'm a crafty girl, too. So, yeah. So, if you want me to draw some pictures, just comment on my brother's podcast. Yeah, my sister's pretty crafty. She likes to draw in her free time. She has a pad. She has her Apple Pencil. And uh, she just 
likes to trace over things and then tries to uh get the style down. She color in a lot of things. She I get impressed by what she has on her pad and what she does. I'm not gonna lie to you. I get really impressed when she shows it to me. I'm like, okay, that's that's different and that's neat because again, I'm not a crafty person. I'm not an artsy guy. I'm don't I, that's not my deal. My gift wasn't like with my hands and creating like art and all that type of stuff. I can give you a different a description of what I want and all that type of stuff. I can picture it in my head, but I just can never ever map it down. She can actually draw some stuff out and she's getting better and better as the days are going. So I see a lot with her art skills that she got. She's going to be a nice, uh, gifted drawer. I can see that with her right now. Anything else? I really love my family and I really love my brother that's with me today. So, okay, kid, you got to say something else, man, because you've been bad nagging for a whole year to get on here and this is it. And, um, I'm really excited for fourth grade, too. So, what I want the people is nice, no mean, no hate, and if they have, I'm just going to walk away from them. And I want their bad energy, so... Yeah. Okay. What about teachers? Teachers, I want them to be nice, not always grumpy, not mean. So, if they're nice, I don't have a problem with them. But if they're grumpy, I have a problem with them. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think your teachers are going to be... Well, let's play this. I think they're going to be grumpy from time to time because everybody's going to have a bad day. But I also think the teachers should separate their personal life from their uh, professional life. But... If a teacher does have a grumpy day, don't pay them no mind and don't pay them no attention. Because, again, they just might not be happy at home, kid. Anything else you want to tell them? I really like to dance and record videos. Oh, yeah. She does that a lot. I'm not allowing her to put that on uh, TikTok or none of that type of stuff. I don't... She don't She don't have a TikTok. Nah. I don't... Uh, We as a family unit decided, nah, not to TikTok way yet. Because, uh... I don't like predators. I don't like people just staring at her yet. I don't think... Here's my thing with social media with children. I believe that kids can get on social media. I believe that kids can do TikTok and all that type of stuff to a degree because I think parents have to guide them and all that type of stuff as they're doing it. And with me, I just don't have the type of energy because me, I'm a real uh, type of guy that I want to find you if you say something negative or something like that. I would rather not have my sister read a comment and she come back to me ask me about what this means, what that means, that this is what she does. If she sees me typing something out, she want to know what I'm doing. She wants to know this and that. And uh, that's the thing. I don't want nobody to be negative towards my sister over here. And I understand that in life, people are going to get negative towards everybody. That's one of the first thing that people do is be negative. But I have a soft spot for my family. I do wholeheartedly. And if somebody says something about them, I want to find you. I want to do something to you. Or you either apologize because those are only two routes that we got. So I don't got time for my uh, somebody to be saying something, commenting on my sister stuff. But she does like to dance. She does like to record. So that's the one reason why we don't have her on social media like that. Is there anything else you want to let them know about yourself, kid? Um, I really like to act out after we watch a movie. Okay, what's your favorite scene that you like to act out? The fighting scene. Yeah, she's a real... uh. Hit her if you get the drift. She likes to hit us and act like she was a part of the movie of, like an action flick. She'll see a scene and she'll try to like literally want to start punching and kicking all that stuff. And we, I, I let her play around and let her do that. But when she hits, boy, she hits hard. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold it off. She, she rings off. So she got some nice uh, hits. I can, I can attest to that. Yeah, you gotta watch out for me because I'll really hit you and be like, hey yo. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm uh, cushioned towards her. She'd just be slapping and kicking me up. So <laughs> I expect that. Um, and I really, really like to um play on my... I really like to play Tucker World. Um, it's just like a game. It's like real life, but you get to like make people of your own and do other things like that. I really like it. Now as we wind down this interview with my sister here, kid, do you want to give these uh people any advice? Um... Listen to your teachers in school and listen to them so you won't get in trouble and be a good kid in school. How about do your best forget the rest? Make sure you do that too because if you don't, 
think that you're not going to do well, but if you think that you're going to do well. Okay. Now, you want to tell people goodbye? Bye. Thank you for um, listening to me and my brother. Now, without further ado, you heard the lady. Let me get you guys out of here. On Twitter, you can find me at, at My2Podcast. Instagram, My2CentsPodcastG2. Uh, Yahoo, you can find me at My2CentsPod at Yahoo.com. Again, I have the suicide hotline in the description below. Please call that number if you feel suicidal because you are needed. People will like to see your face every day. You are worthy. Believe me, just make that call and just try to work yourself out and get better as the day goes through. I want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast. I want to thank Apple, Amazon, Spotify, uh, Google, Podbeam, all these other platforms that still have me up here because you guys can easily take me down, but you guys do not. I greatly appreciate that. Now with that, always remember. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you all. I thank you. I thank you for your time. I hope you guys have a good Sunday. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I do have a wrestling podcast uh, episode out right now. Uh, the SummerSlam review. It happened just last night. I have the wrestling highlights of the week episode out, by the way, that just happened also Saturday. I release every Saturday. If you want to listen to those, they're available wherever you get the podcast from. Uh, but if not, always remember you guys will catch me on Sundays for Sunday topics like these. But with that all being said, this isn't goodbye. This is until you hear from the sweet sound of voice again. I love you all. Please have a great day and a great rest of your week. Don't be a dick. And with that, Kanye, can you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept. Uh-huh.